0: Okay, I'm
1: about to email you the URL for the Zoom. Hey, can you hear me?
0: Yeah. Okay.
1: So I have it recording on my end right now. Perfect. And then I can send you either the link or I'll share it with you in Google Drive or whatever.
0: (laughs) Okay, perfect. And then I'll see if there's a way if I can just extract the audio. Mm. I'll have to do some research on that, but I figure this is my last ditch effort. Until I can figure out what.
1: I'm sure if you throw it in iMovie, you can just disassociate the video with the audio.
0: I love iMovie. I love it. Okay, yes, that's probably what I'll do. All right, great. Does that sound
1: okay on your end?
0: You sound great. Okay. You sound phenomenal. Okay, so let's just go ahead and try again. It was such a good conversation, too.
1: Such is life.
0: Yeah, right. All right, I'll do the countdown, and then that way at least I know what to cut it off from. Okay. Welcome to another episode of under caffeinated this week our guest is mr jesse mcnulty an instructional technology coach make sure to get this that right this is our third take so i know your title this time (laughs) um out of the great delaware uh hey jesse how you doing
1: hi erin thanks so much for having me
0: thank you for joining us i really appreciate it uh will you go ahead and just tell us a little bit about yourself uh your job, your family, long walks on the beach, that sort of thing.
1: <laughs> sure. <laughs> so uh, I'm Jesse McNulty. I'm an instructional tech coach for the Appaquinamon School District in Odessa, Delaware. Um, in a previous life, I was spent a decade in the classroom as a mathematics teacher, uh, teaching ninth grade high school math, and then also did a year of instructional uh, support as a math coach um, at the high school that I taught at. And then had the fortune and opportunity to transfer over into EdTech and really supporting educators and teachers in our new district initiatives. Um, I have my master's in EdTech as well from Boise State University. And I live here in Delaware with my wife of almost 13 years and our five-year-old son.
0: Aw. Wow. That's good. That's a good, I like that. It's a good bio covering lots of things. Um, I did not realize that you were only a math instructional coach for one year. I thought you had that um, under your belt for a few more years.
1: No, actually, I was only in that role for a year um, and then had been about halfway through my master's program. So instructional technology was really my passion and where I hopefully saw myself over the next five years and Mm -hmm. it's kind of all the stars aligned. Uh, One of the districts here that I live at locally. I uh, which is about 25 to 30 minutes South of where I presently live was, um, expanding. Uh, we've built a couple new schools and we're looking to bring on some new staff within the teaching and learning division. And my supervisor, Steve Greesover, uh, sent me a Facebook messenger email and just said, Hey, not sure if you're interested right now, but this is open. And if you're interested, please apply. And, uh, went through that process and had the fortunate opportunity to be hired and have been in that role now for two and a half years. It's been a lot of fun.
0: Nice. Okay. So knowing that you've been an instructional technology coach for two and a half years, but then you were a math coach for just a year, not just a year, but a year. What are some, what are some of the, the parallels and some of the differences, right? Because a lot of times when you're in any sort of coaching role, You, you feel. I feel like I see the same things in this version as I do in this version as I do in this version. The title just changes a little bit. So, what are some parallels that you saw, and then what are some of the big differences?
1: So, I would say the scale has been one of the largest differences. Um, When I was an instructional coach for mathematics, I was only housed at a building, so I had nineteen faculty that I was serving. Um, It's a little bit different now because I have 17 buildings and about 12,000 students that we serve, Um, and that's expanding all the way from early childhood centers, which are kindergarten centers, all the way up to 12th grade. So it's just a little bit of a different scale, and that was definitely something that I needed to transition and really kind of grasp hold of. Um, One of the biggest similarities that I've I've really started to embrace over the last 12 months since my colleague Kevin Wright and I have really started to move this work forward Mm. is kind of the instructional coaching frameworks and really working with our educators, working with our staff, working with our teaching and learning division specialists around our coaching frameworks, um, mostly around the work of Jim Knight and the instructional coaching framework that he provides. Um, We've been doing that here, uh, providing our building level instructional coaches support kind of in coaches clinics, uh, really working with them on their established goal setting where Where does data collection fit into this process? How can we level them up as instructional leaders within their buildings um, to raise achievement across the board for all learners? So that to me has been a role that I saw in both uh, locations and in both roles, whether it was a building level or as a district level. Um, One of these types of instructional coaching and instructional leadership has been something that we've really been pushing the work forward on. And uh, something that we're really excited to continue to see successes with here in the next coming semesters
0: that's fantastic so your district not only has building instructional coaches but district instructional coaches or instructional technology coaches which is what you are right am I understanding that correctly so there's like double the support
1: so we do have instructional coaches at the building level I will say that many of their roles are quite diverse Um, Many of them hold more of an emphasis on instructional technology. Many of them hold emphasis on reading specialists. Um, Many of them hold the role of just overall coaching roles where they would provide supports to educators for professional development opportunities. So there's a little bit of of a differentiation from one building to the next on what that role and what that responsibility is. What we're really trying to do is provide kind of a streamlined professional development structure of the coaching cycle, how it would work. And then really how can we begin to empower those educators to take on more of that role within their building. And then we can really begin to see scalable change. Unfortunately in the role that Kevin and I have is to district level instructional technology coaches where we are one to one from grades three through 12. We have iPads within our elementaries in our middle We have Chromebooks in our high school. So it's about 11,000 devices for three of us as an office. So seeing scalable change is one of our big challenges. Right. So we really feel like we can provide leadership and coaching support to those coaches within their buildings and really find a way to make sustainable impact. And we feel like over the last semester, we've really been able to take a lot of positive strides in that direction. Um, I would say the first year or to two years of our role was really a leadership of service. Um, my boss really kind of sent out the initiative of Feed the Hungry, really okay. get into buildings, really change the narrative of what the instructional coach role is. We are there to support. We are there to help. Um, we are teachers on special assignment, as, or TOSAs, as many districts call them. Right. So we are still not of any administrative oversight. We do not hold any evaluative process whatsoever. So we really can become that liaison between admin and, and, and educators to really right. provide those supports, but being able to do it in a risk-free environment. Um, and we can work to co-teach and co-plan and do a lot of those particular initiatives in-house, in-building with those educators.
0: That's awesome. And that's one of the things I think when I went through my training for coaching with the gym night uh, framework, that I really, I really appreciated was, here's how, here's why. These are like these are the the pillars, right? Of why, like how to approach teachers and how to approach administration without like crossing that line. I think. Sure.
1: And that's and that's been a big hurdle for us because I feel. That there is a little bit of a separation from the educator to the administrator and what those oversights are and then specialists have a very gray area between those because some of our specialists and our coordinators have different roles and responsibilities from an administrator perspective Mm -hmm. so just by being a district office housed individual there is a little bit of a of a pre-existing experience or notion about who you are, what you do, and what your roles and responsibilities are. So a lot of what we really try to do is is to take a lot of those walls down initially. Um, and I feel like over the first year to two years, we've really done a great job of educating our staff and really being in building and, and getting into the work with them as opposed to beside them or just being one of these kind of quick in, quick out, and then you'll see us again in a month. Um, right. You know, I've had the real great fortune of of spending the early portion of my week in two of our elementary schools all day and just being in classrooms with educators just to recalibrate and see where we are. I've provided some professional development to those buildings on blended learning. So just being in the space and being there to see what their needs are, where our next steps are, but really being a partner in this process. It's not me coming in and making an executive decision. It's really a, a symbiotic relationship between our, our educators and and myself and our coaching staff in general to meet the needs of all of our learners. That's the end game,
0: right? And that's and that's so true. That's so fantastic because I like to, I like to think right. We're all coming. We're all coming at this this whatever project it is you're working on, right? Whatever initiative it is, we're all coming at it from different angles with different areas of expertise for the same end goal. And so. Really, the classroom teacher is the expert with the kids and their needs and that sort of thing. So it's like, what can I do to support you with this? Because you're, we need to do the initiative, but you're also juggling all of these other things. So how can I support you? Um, and I'm, I'm sure that you know, time and trust and everything like that. Like it's just gonna be, it's gonna be so amazing. I can't, I can't wait to continue to talk to you about like everything that you are doing.
1: Yeah, you mentioned the trust piece that's been really important for us. And I think the biggest battle there has been really playing the role of customer service agent. And I think Kevin and I do a really good job of that. I mentioned the visit to elementary schools and really spending a lot of time there because we've begun to move our devices down from fifth to fourth and ultimately into third grade. Kevin and I both taught high school. We've actually (laughs) taught high school for 10 years at the same school. So I've known Kevin now for going on 13 years and he and I are not elementary educators. Um, The closest thing that we have to that is he's married to a middle school educator. (laughs) And Steve's wife is a third grade educator in our district, our our supervisor, Steve Greesover. So, and then I'm married to a nurse practitioner. So I'm the one with the, the odd person out from a spousal perspective, but you know, we don't have a lot of experience in the primary school space. So we are by no means ever going to be walking in and acting as the expert on anything. Um, Our big approach, really is kind of that leadership of service. We walk in and the first thing we ever ask is how can I help? And it may just be something that helps take a little bit of the pressure off of a situation, or if it's an opportunity to make one of their processes more efficient for them, whether it be data collection or formative assessment, it may just be Having the opportunity to come in and co-plan and co-teach a particular experience and, and discuss and see in real time what blended learning best practices look like so that's been one of our biggest inroads for us and we've really had a lot of success with that um, in addition to all of our coaching professional development that we've been providing
0: that's fantastic um, I know you know rem- remember how I said this was our, our third take um, in our in our last take we were talking about how your district was working with, are you one of nine or you're working with nine others? So you're one of 10 districts on various coaching and and presentations and like everybody's learning together.
1: Yeah. So we've got a unique experience here in the state of Delaware. Um, about seven years ago, we decided to come together as a collective and form what is known as the Brink Consortium. Um, It's a consortium of public school districts in the state of Delaware throughout our state, both Newcastle, Kent, and Sussex counties. Mm -hmm. And we really try to support professional development. We try to support blended learning best practices. And we really try to do it in a way that no longer silos ourselves like a lot of public school districts are.
0: We really taken
1: down a lot of those silo walls and really work across district lines to open up communication, to open up resources, to make opportunities available um, for visits or PD or online textbook work, coursework, um, scope and sequence work across disciplines, whatever it may be, we've really tried to take down those walls and really try to work as a collective. We are a rather small state. While we have 19 school districts in the state, we only have about 130,000 public school students, K through 12. So. Just to put that into perspective, Baltimore County Public Schools in Maryland has 180,000 students, so that they're significantly larger than our entire state. So <laughs> it, it's in our advantage to really come together. Now, one of the things that right. we have done in that collective experience is we've worked as instructional coaches at the district level to provide professional development to our educators and to our ultimately to our administrators. We have a lot of administrators within all of our districts that never taught in classrooms with technology so the concept of blended learning best practices is a very foreign concept to them because they never taught with the devices so we started over last spring building out a series of professional development opportunities that we ultimately ran in july and august of this past summer
0: Mm -hmm.
1: we have then Moved many of those educators, many of those administrators through the part two of that, which was actually support strolls in buildings. We hosted nine of them throughout our state, and they were all led and facilitated by our instructional coaches, a part of the consortium. And they were all attendees that were district level administrators, principals, assistant principals, superintendents, directors of curriculum, and really teaching them what this is not only supposed to be like in theory, but how is it applied? What, is it, what does the room look like? What does it feel like? How do you shift from a, from a teacher-led classroom to a student-led classroom? What is SAMR? How does that framework work? And how can you bring a student-led experience within this? How can we move from content consumption to content creation? So really thinking about all of these factors and really putting it into the lens of an administrator And then, really, having them walk away with a playlist of how they can take content and really bring it into their buildings and help support their educators and level them up within their own classrooms, within their own grade levels, and with their own subject matters. So, it's been a really interesting experience, and we've had a real high positive feedback from it. And um, I know one of the things that we discussed in one of our several takes this evening (laughs) has been. this is actually going so well, and we actually decided to, as a collective to put together a proposal to do a workshop at ISTI this upcoming summer, which we were very fortunate to have been accepted for. So we'll be doing...
0: Congratulations. A, I know that, but still, congratulations.
1: So we'll be doing a two-hour uh, blended learning uh, boot camp for administrators on the Saturday of ISTI. So it's something that's you know, we're all really proud of. It's been a lot of work over the last 10 to 12 months, but at the same time, this is a real great victory point for the Brink Consortium and really great point uh, for us to be a victory call for the state of Delaware. This is something that I think is a little unique. Um, Delaware, was like one of the things that Delaware was unique to do was actually adopt a statewide learning management system. Um, we are now school to GK through 12 throughout the entire state. So it's just one of those unique things that we were able to do and continue to be the first. And we were the first state to ratify the constitution. We'll be the first state to sign a statewide LMS. And, you know, hopefully we can continue to move this work forward and continue being first. So it's, it's been a lot of fun and it's, it's been a, it's been a great partnership.
0: That's, that is really fantastic. I'm, I'm listening, right? And I'm sitting here thinking, right, I'm from Vegas, so I know my district there. And I'm in Florida, so I know my district here-ish. I'm still learning. And I'm, I'm sitting here thinking, like, is this possible? Is this scalable? Is this something that could be replicated? And so in these two particular instances, both of the districts that I'm in are just ridiculously large. And so I'm I'm sitting back and I'm thinking no unless I become the superintendent <laughs> which I have no aspiration for but I think it's I think it speaks highly to the fact that you may be small but you're so powerful as a state in your district because you're using those things to your benefit as opposed to just going with the status quo right
1: yeah this is this is unique in the sense that it wasn't really started by us instructional coaches i mean we were all you know good friends and partners and colleagues at professional development opportunities we'd see them at digital learning cadres and that sort of thing but this was all started by superintendents assistant superintendents curriculum directors coming together and saying look this is what's best for kids in the end this is what's best for kids so we didn't really have a framework i don't believe at the very beginning but it really has spawned into how are we going to provide professional development how are we providing resources how are we providing professional development not only to administrators but also to educators are we going to then begin to plan out instructional technology conferences or teaching conferences and host them here in the state. It, it, it's There's a lot of different factors and a lot of unique things going on um, behind the scenes throughout the various committees of the Brink Consortium, but it's, it's all really exciting and it's all really exciting to be a part of and really to see how we can make this impactful within our own district with our learners, but really how we can all be trailblazers and really move this work forward throughout the state
0: i i think i think that it's fantastic right because we always talk about what's best for kids and being innovative and there you go from your top down all the way through you have educators who are focused on what is best for kids and how to be innovative and innovative isn't necessarily just using technology, right? It's mm-hmm. thinking creatively outside the box. How can we do these things? I love it.
1: Yeah, our motto in, in the Appaquineming School District is the world is our campus. And, which I love. And our superintendent really pushes that. He push, he really puts a lot of pressure on us to be forward-thinking in what exactly that mantra means and how that aligns to our district beats of creativity, collaboration, communication, critical thinking and engagement and how we as instructional leaders can bring this down to support all of our learners and all of our educators and really foster those passions and those initiations to really bring unique learning experiences into our classrooms, whether that be video conferences globally. Um, I know I mentioned earlier with you, we have a first grade educator Uh, Maureen McDonald at Loss Elementary, who has been, yeah, you were familiar with Maureen.
0: (laughs) Hi, Maureen. I know you.
1: Maureen uh, set up a video conference with Antarctica and two scientists who are studying emperor penguins and actually had the Q&A session led by her first grade students. And it was not only adorable, but think about... (laughs) students at six and seven years old taking an active learning experience in a professional setting. They're talking to adults, you know, through a video conference that we're doing right from the comfort of their own classroom. And they're able to talk about all the particular topics. And, and we can talk about just that experience or whether it be all of our work-based learning opportunities that we're doing within our secondary, any of our internships. Um, one of the things that our District has been very forward thinking on is the advancement of the concept of eSports within our district, and really working out the technology and logistics around that. That has now become more of a state conversation. So it's really about moving the needle forward and moving the work forward and, and really trying to rethink what exactly education is and how the learner plays the role and how active they are in that role.
0: That is fantastic. Really, oh, I feel so excited and so inspired that uh, Delaware's snow is no longer an issue, and I'm going to, you know, just try to talk to my husband. Okay,
1: what, can I, what can I do? <laughs> yeah, we've been very fortunate this year. We have a very mild winter. We have had no snow. Um, <laughs> I'm I'm knocking on wood as I say that because we still have quite a bit of winter left here in in the Mid Atlantic. Um, (laughs) but it has been a rather mild winter, but it's, it's been, uh, it's been very nice.
0: That's, that's really, uh, it's so exciting and so inspiring to hear just the story of your district. Now I I have a question from the teacher perspective, because I know you were a teacher for, what did you say? Like 10 years like in the classroom?
1: Yeah, I was in the classroom for nine.
0: Nine years. Okay. So those um the 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 walkthroughs that you did were those something that the teach like how did the teachers feel about that how did the teachers feel about this team coming through um to do observations not that you were necessarily doing any sort of evaluating because I know that's not the case but still a lot of times most teachers when somebody else comes into their room there's a little bit of nervousness, anxiousness, butterflies, that sort of thing. Like how were they feeling about that?
1: Yeah. Every building's a little bit different. Um, I would say how we managed and organized that was, it was really under the responsibility of organization by that district's instructional coach and that lead to take kind of the forward first step of organizing that event, organizing the logistics, where the classrooms that we were attending what subjects we were seeing, what grade levels, all of the particular details of the day. Now, of the nine, App hosted three of those nine this fall. Okay. So we hosted uh, one at our at our high school, uh, Middletown High School, and then we hosted two, one at Olive Loss Elementary, and then one at Lorewood Grove Elementary. And each of those three had a little bit of a different flavor, Um, of what teachers were seeing, what their subject matters were, where their focuses were. And a lot of it just was bound by the logistics of seeing it either be from 8.30 to 11.30 or 9.00 to 12.00 and who's on planning and who isn't. Sure. Unfortunately absent on a given day unexpectedly. Um, So you have that. But at the same time, our district has a very open door policy. We have a lot of people coming and going in and out of classrooms, whether it be admin, whether it be fellow teachers, whether it be instructional coaches, whether it be myself. Um, There's a lot of visitors throughout buildings and throughout building pods on any given day. So to bring any number of you know, a dozen to a dozen and a half staff members from outside of district into our buildings just to walk around and see classrooms for 10 to 15 minutes. Our students are kind of conditioned now that it's just old hat. They don't really, they're not really affected. They find the next open seat that's closest to them. They'll invite the people over. They'll explain what they're doing, what the LEQ is, how it meets the instructional goals, how, what they're doing, where they are at, where they're going. It's, it's, it's kind of, it sounds scripted, but it really isn't just because we have a lot of people in our buildings and in our, and in our classrooms all day, every day. Um, and really it's there to support educators and support learners.
0: That's, that's amazing. the fact that it's, it's the culture of the open door, the culture of everybody wants to see the culture of learning no matter where you're going and that the kids pick up on that. That's fantastic. Um, okay, Jesse, we, we, we're going to wrap this up, but I do want you to share So for anybody who's going to be at ISTE, can you just let us know uh, what days and times – do you know times yet? What days you're presenting and, like, the titles so that people can find you? Uh,
1: We do. Uh, So myself, uh, my colleague Kevin Wright, and then our – other instructional technology coaches from across the district, uh, Carrie Bush and Lauren Bolden from Cesar Rodney School District, Mary Murray and from Capital School District and Mike League from Cape Henlopen School District will be presenting on Saturday at 4.30. Uh, we'll be presenting the blended learning boot camp for administrators. Um, it's a workshop. And then um, I was also afforded uh, a great opportunity to present uh, with Kevin Um, As well, on a solo session, or a partnered session on Tuesday at 10 a.m., we'll be presenting on From the Front Office to the Classroom, Project-Based Learning through STEAM and Sports. So it's a little bit of the last five-year journey of myself and some of my really awesome students. So we'll be talking a little bit about sports analytics and how that connects to all the topics of STEAM and how those project-based learning opportunities have really pushed our learners to unique learning experiences that have really moved their transcripts to the top of college acceptance piles. Um, And it's been a lot of fun, and we'll talk a little bit about what those success stories are, what our journey was, and then really have educators walk away with a set of tools that they can bring into their own classrooms, to engage this type of work or these topics into their own classrooms from from the very next day.
0: Oh, that so, sounds so amazing. I'm so excited um, for you and for anybody that gets to experience that, because I know you and I have talked about it and I just love what you've done um, with your kids in the past. And so- <clears throat>
1: that's, that's very kind, but I'll, I'll be the first to say, I had very little to do with it. I've been very fortunate in my career to work with great students. Um And great parents of those students, and they support our work. and I've had wonderful administrators that have really never told me no <laughs> and And that's been a wonderful luxury to to really move some of this work uh, to create some really unique learning experiences for students.
0: Well, you know it's 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 a learning community, and so, it, it involves the parents, it involves the kids, it involves the leadership, but you are the facilitator. Like, none of that would have happened if you hadn't had the idea to push forward. So, it's a community for a reason. It takes all, it takes all pieces for you all to be successful. So, oh, so excited. I know some people I'm going to be like, go to Jesse's session
1: that's very kind I, I look forward to seeing mind. anybody who, who would like to show up and obviously <laughs> you know my presentation is pretty much done at this point but I'll be more than happy to talk online through Voxer through you know social media on Twitter I'm very active there as well so if anybody has any questions um I'm happy to chat and, and happy to share and really try to move this awesome work and these awesome students work um to anybody who's willing to listen so
0: <laughs> will you? Um, I have one more question, but before I ask that, will you give us your, like, Twitter Voxer handle, whatever, whatever platforms you use?
1: Sure. Uh, Voxer and Twitter um, are probably my two primaries, and they are both the same handle. It's Mr. Mr. Nolt is a nerd. <laughs> so Mr. Nolt is a nerd. Um, right. So it's pretty easy to find me. Um, you'll find my Bitmoji, and I'm. I'm there to chat about anything involving students, student creativity, coding, game development, um, math, awesome experiences for kids so any anything and everything. I'm happy to chat and, and happy to share some thoughts and share some ideas
0: i fully I fully endorse that because Jesse and I have talked a number of times about various topics such as that. All right, so my final question for you. I know that some of your sports analytics statistics that sort of thing um and you might not have this number off the top of your head and that's okay if you don't but i i still thought i would ask um i also know you're a hockey fan so statistically speaking can you give me a number on average of how many teeth do hockey players lose
1: (laughs) (laughs) that's a really good question um I think it's going to there be a really interesting study uh, to look at team by team versus professional versus minor versus college versus amateur. Um, I can tell <laughs> I you
0: know all those versions.
1: I, I can certainly tell you that my five-year-old right now looks like a hockey player. He's lost <laughs> one two already. Um, so, and he's not even playing. So I think some of it is just <laughs> some of the passion for the game is is just kind of coming down to him through osmosis or whatever. But it's, um, it's definitely been a, a unique situation, at least on that front. Okay. <laughs> but an interesting study, nonetheless, for the future. Anybody who's interested in sports analytics, that's an interesting study to start with.
0: <laughs> thank you. Thanks for, thanks for humoring <laughs> my silly question. Oh, Everybody, thank you so much for joining us. We're undercaffeinated on Twitter and Instagram, and we would really just love to hear from you. If you, would like, if you like what you've heard today, uh, please consider leaving us a review on Apple Podcasts to help other educators like you find us. Find us and Mr. Nolt is a nerd um, just that much easier. So again, Jesse, thank you so much for joining us.
1: Thanks so much for having me.
0: Have a wonderful day, everybody. Bye-bye. Cool, so we're still recording, so I'll stop.